Thank you for listening to Truth in Life, a concise Christian belief series. This class was taught on a Sunday morning at Christ the Word Church because we believe that God's Word is truth and that His truth should shape our lives. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com. Let's, uh, let's open with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. I ask that you will make it a wonderful day of worship uh, here and in the small groups later. We ask that you'll be with us. ask that you'll uh, speak to us and reveal yourself to us. We ask for your Holy Spirit that we may uh, know you. And even in this class, it will come to a greater understanding of uh, who you are and your great glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, grace... God's grace to mankind. We're looking at attributes of God. Continuing on, we had started last week with the God's love for mankind. And so really, God's grace to mankind is the expression or the outflowing of his love for mankind. Because if it was just an internal or a Trinitarian love without it flowing out, it wouldn't be going anywhere. So grace is really how uh, God displays himself to all creation. So that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, future classes, just so you see the path, we'll look at God's righteousness, God's holy anger. Wow, coming in the back door. <laughs> and uh, God's holiness and then the problem of evil. So this is the path we'll be taking. And uh, it's going to be a little hard to see today. There's the choice seats, which are blocking the sun <laughs> right here. And uh, there's no way to position this TV because the back wall's lit up. The, it, we've put it over here, but then you're looking at the sun this way. So uh, you'll just have to uh, do your best when you read. And you can stand up if you, need, if you can't quite see or change your position. Um, but again, what we'll start with reading of the scriptures, we'll start here and just up and down the rows as we go through the class. If you don't want to read perfectly fine, just tap the person next to you, let them know. Um, so let's get into this. Now again, this is class, a class on truths of God. And so I, I put a statement up, which is really just a statement of doctrine. It's my statement trying to capture a truth. And then everything that follows that kind of backs that. So sometimes a couple scriptures, sometimes many, but um, usually there's many, many scriptures for any one, but we're only going to have two or, time for two or three. So first one, God's utmost love is displayed in his grace and mercy. So I want to get a simple definition of grace from you. And that's always a hard one. I'm going to ask for a simple definition of mercy too. Yes. <laughs> I don't think it's hard. It's hard for me to come up with. What is it? It's giving somebody what they don't deserve. Okay, that is a good part of it. Good. Giving somebody something that's not deserved, a gift. Anyone want to amplify that a little further? That's a little too simple. <laughs> oh, yeah, I expect you to. <laughs> All right, here we go. God's sovereign, unmerited favor, and power given freely to those who deserve his wrath. 
So that's my simple definition of it. That's as tight as I could get it. And um, God's, or a simple definition of mercy, just because these are sometimes interchangeable. I think mercy is under grace. It's an out, another outflowing of grace here. So what would you say for mercy to differentiate it from grace? Grace light. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Come on. This is where you guys participate. I've always heard it said like it's not giving somebody something they do deserve. Okay. I have to think about that one. <laughs> that might be a good one, but I haven't thought of that. That's what I've heard too. Logic Okay. Come on. Keep going. What do you think of when you think of mercy? Gives you some sort of kindness, uh, opportunity. It's usually something that we, you know, we deserve something negative, and, and yet God shows us kindness and does give us that Okay. Giving us. Right, exactly. It folk. Right. Okay. Okay, that's real good. Um, God's compassion for us, as displayed in the transfer of our due punishment for sin to His Son, so He offers us mercy as a result of these things. Now, that's the ultimate application of it. It plays out. Mercy can play out in many ways, but it has to do with um, with he's actually put the punishment on his son so that he can give us this love and compassion. All right. So, a few scriptures. Let's start over here. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Okay. So the Lord looks down and he sees that. Every intention of the thoughts of our hearts um, are evil always. So we don't deserve anything, right? That's, it's, this is backing up kind of those definitions that we just went through. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. So nothing that we've done. God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Okay, so it depends entirely on God and not on any human effort. And then we're going to talk now about how the, the different types of grace. <coughs> Many here may know there's we usually think of a couple categories of grace. What might we call them? Common grace. And common grace. Yes, that's correct. That's what we're going to look at first. And? Efficacious grace. <laughs> Efficacious grace. Which is correct. Uh, particular grace. You can use different words for it. It's, it's focused on a particular people. <laughs> so, but if you remember last week, we were looking at the expanse of God's love and how 
how it's, it's bigger and applies to all mankind uh, in greater ways than we often think of. And that's the same with grace. So as we get into uh, common grace, um, Common, what's this, let's go with the definition again. So what is common grace? Yes. Something God um, bestows or gives, gives to everyone regardless of righteousness or corruptness reigns on the just and the unjust. Excellent, yes. So common grace is over everyone, including those who are, well, and we'll get to particular, including those who are his people, but common grace is much bigger. We tend to, to say, yeah, there's common grace for everybody, but, you know, what's really important is a particular grace. But common grace is the expression, again, this outflowing of God's love for everybody, and we're wrapped up in that. So it applies very much to those who get particular grace, too. So the the sun and shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. So, definition, God's universal goodness and love for all mankind, God's grace to the elect and the non-elect. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Okay, we looked at this some last week. The definition, loving your enemies, he is showing that this is how he loves his enemies. And he's calling us to do this. And he's saying he makes a sunrise on his enemies. He, he expresses his love to them through common grace to his enemies and to, the, to those who are his. Every favor, this is John Murray, every favor, whatever kind or degree, falling short of salvation, because we're talking about common grace, not particular, uh, which this undeserving and sin-cursed world enjoys at the hand of God. So that's kind of a definition of it. Now, one of the, we're going to get into some of the common graces and how, how God uh, shows himself. But first, he, we'll look at God restrains sin. And often we think of the positive aspects of grace, but we, it's a little harder to look at you know, the restraint of sin. Well, that's something that we don't end up seeing, right? We see, we see the restraint, but we don't see the sin that didn't occur. So imagine or think of um, a world without the light of Christ. So just think of if, if, if God were to remove the common grace of the church from the world. Now we think of the church being weak, and we think that way because the world's so big and we're such a small fraction of it. We say, yeah, we're powerful, but then we kind of go, yeah, but it sure looks like the world's taking over. But if, if you remove the church from the world, just church taken out of the world, could you imagine no restraint that the church brings to the world, day and night, always holding back, always keeping the world in check. And there will be a day when that, that common grace is removed, and it, not just from the world, but in judgment from those who enjoy all these graces of God. So uh, God, res 
drains sin, and how is that loving to the person going to hell? How is that loving for him to restrain sin? Well, if they, if they, their sin isn't restrained, their life is going to be awful, miserable. Okay, so it's going to ruin their life even further. Even further, yeah. That's good. <clears throat> How else? Like if a sin, if you're going to be punished for all your sins, and even if you aren't under the God's chosen people, uh, and His restraint of sin keeps what from coming upon you? More wrath, more punishment. So His restraint, even of wicked people, Him giving them a boundary and not letting them go as far as they could go, is a blessing to them. It's actually part of love. He's not letting them go that far. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. So the murderer Cain, God marks and says, I'm going to protect you. He's restraining other people from sinning against Cain, but it's a show of his love for somebody who hates God. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. Okay, so we have the Tower of Babel, and what are they trying to do? They're growing, they're growing in their pride and their wickedness. They're going to make a tower up to heaven, which is nonsense. It's not like God looked at them and said they're, they're going to actually, but it had to do with they're going to become so powerful, able to do so much. And what it is, is all wickedness that they're doing. They're, they're saying we can be God. And so he restrains them. You know, Babel, <laughs> they're dispersed. The languages are changed. They go and they are dispersed. So he restrains their sin. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Okay, so this is Abimelech. And uh, he did something good. He didn't touch Sarah, Abraham's wife. And God makes it very clear. Yes, I know you've done this in integrity. You do get credit for this. You get credit for this. You, you did something good in your heart. But it was I who kept you. So as always, we, there's us acting, and it's 100% us, right? And then there's God acting, and it's 100% God. And this is a mystery, because you can't add up 100% and 100% and have 200%. <laughs> this is how it is, though. It, it was him doing it, but it's God who kept him from sinning. And if he would have, there would have been wrath to pay. All right. Another common grace is God restrains his wrath. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So instead of wiping out mankind right at the beginning, he starts a process of bringing salvation instead of bringing his wrath, which he could have done at the fall. <clears throat> 
the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Okay, so God is also patient in executing his wrath. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So he has a reason for being patient. He's, he loves us. He's slow to anger. He wants all men to repent. And he's giving us time to do so. Uh, God gives a temporal blessings to all. And again, this is God's grace. He gives temporal blessings to all. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. So every, all of creation, I think in this psalm, it's including man, but it's also including the animals. All of, all of creation that God feeds, they look to you to open your hand. And God fills them with good things. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. So it is God who satisfies the desires of every living thing. Now God has not given the credit for that. All the wicked people who have many desires being satisfied, many happinesses in life and things given to them, this is the grace of God upon them. And he's loving them, regardless of how they're, whether they're following, whether they hate him or acknowledge him in any way. So, unregenerate people do good. Unregenerate people do good. Is that the case? Depends on your standards, I guess. Hmm? By our standards, yeah. Good. Yeah, so... Can you, say to, can you say that wicked person's doing good? Have you experienced it in your life? Has anybody who's not a Christian ever blessed you? Yeah, so you'd say they do good. Now, that good isn't credited in a certain way. It's, we aren't talking about crediting it to their righteousness so they get to go to heaven. So I say on here, in one sense, they do good like you were pointing out, kind of from a, a certain perspective they do good. But actually, it doesn't account for righteousness if they don't trust the Lord. It, it's accounted as filthy rags, they're good, but it's still good. And it, we have, a, I, again, there's a little tension, well, you know, they're wicked, they don't do good. You know, God doesn't see that as doing good. No, he actually looks at people and says, that person did good, even that wicked person did good. We already saw some examples of that in the scripture, but we're going to look at a few now. 
And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. Okay, so Jehu. Is Jehu good or bad? Jehu a good or a bad guy? <laughs> He's a wicked dude. He's really wicked. But God moved him to carry out this wrath on his behalf against Ahab and his house. And God says, you've done good. You've done well. Because of that, I'm going to bless your generations. And that's a wicked man. So he did good things, though. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Okay, so here's a slam dunk if you think that people don't do good. Slam dunk to make the point they do. Even sinners do the same. Even sinners do what? Even sinners do good. So sinners do good. Now that's not the point of this text. It's like you should... You should go further than that. Even, even sinners do good things. Unregenerate people know the truth. Again, in the context of grace, um, you know, if you're talking to somebody or witnessing to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, uh, I've always, I won't say always, once I learn some things, I started to not acknowledge what these people would, would say to me who didn't know the Lord. You know, oh, I, I'm into karma. <laughs> you know, God doesn't exist. The, when I would interact with people like this, I would never acknowledge that they didn't know God. <laughs> I would always tell them, no, <laughs> you're lying. You've known God, you've rejected God. And so I've gone you know, face to face with people like this mocking them for claiming they don't know God. But it's a grace of God that he has had everybody know him. All the wicked, all those who say there is no God out there. It is a grace. He's made himself known to them. Scripture is clear on that. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So they knew God. This is all mankind, but their foolish hearts were darkened. They rejected him. They were hardened. But they, they do know God. All creation is displaying and screaming God at them, no matter what they say. And they want to credit that to a big bang or chance or something like that. They know God. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but do not practice. Okay. Unregenerate people know truth. Well, the Pharisees here I'm using as an example of unregenerate. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. And uh, Jesus says, listen, do and observe what they tell you. They are telling you truths. But don't, don't do what they, they do, because they aren't following those truths. So 
wicked people can know things about God and give good direction and sensible things and advice, but just don't follow them. Unregenerate people know some blessing of the Holy Spirit. And again, it gets maybe a little complicated here. How does that work? The Spirit of God rushed upon him, Saul, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? These twelve, including Judas Iscariot, Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pain, give without pain. So some who aren't of the disciples who are <coughs> um, not going to be saved, like Judas or Saul from the previous one, they're going about and they are actually under the power of God and they're actually participating in the Holy Spirit. Participating in the Holy Spirit. And they know something of the Holy Spirit. Not leading to salvation, but they know something. God is pouring His Spirit out on them. And when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay, this is just... Uh, this is one of my favorites on the Spirit at work in the world. Again, if you think of it from the standpoint of grace of God, the Spirit is in the world for a purpose, convicting the world, which is grace. To be convicted that you are sinning and you need help is a grace of God, even if you're rejecting. So the Spirit is active upon all men, convicting their hearts, so that they might repent. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Okay, so here we have those who have tasted. I think the best maybe example to from the scripture to help us understand this would be the uh, parable of the sower um, scattering seed into different soils. And some of that seed rises up and it looks like Christians and they aren't going to last. They aren't the ones in, the seed is not the one in good soil that does that. It's the seed that's in rocky soil or thorns, the things of the world are gonna crush it but they have tasted the gift and ultimately they don't remain with us as first john says they don't remain in the church and they fall away and it's a rejection of the holy spirit once they've tasted these gifts to this level and they reject and this is saying there's nothing left for them now if they were god's people they could repent <laughs> but they've tasted it and then they've rejected salvation. They've fallen away. The blessings, uh, this is John Frame, the blessings of God's common grace look very much like the blessings of salvation itself. But God sees the heart of the non-believer 
and knows that beneath his surface piety there is no authentic repentance or faith. So common grace looks very much like salvation itself. And we can't necessarily tell what God's doing in certain people's lives as we see common grace bestowed upon them. Now we're going to go to particular grace. What is it? Salvation. <laughs> Salvation to a particular people. God's utterly personal favor toward his chosen people. And that's a lot of times where we would leave it, and that's okay. But coming with this grace is God's power to his children by the Holy Spirit bringing forth faith and obedience. So when I think of grace, I think of power. There is a power coming with this grace, and it is the power which changes a life, a power which causes us to follow him and to obey him. And it comes from him. It's his Holy Spirit in us. The Lord says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Depends on God. Uh, God is in charge. And particular grace is, he's saying here, I, I will apply it where I want to. Now, there's common grace, and particular is part of that. But when he chooses somebody, all of the common graces kind of become particular, if that makes sense. So we still have the sunshine and the rain, the common graces, but now he's doing it because he's blessing you in a particular way. So he's, particular grace, it, it's like the love of God. God's love for everybody, but now a certain people are going to have that ramped up. But it's not just in the particular area, it's in all the areas. You get it? Because it's... He's going to take even common grace and make it much more special for us. Everything in life will be for our good. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace, particular grace, comes through Jesus Christ. And we won't get into it. Grace and truth, he satisfies everything before the Father. So he is the one who can offer this particular grace. He satisfies truth, as in judgment. We can be named righteous because he's judged. He's judged our sins on his son. Then he offers grace. So particular grace comes from Jesus, or by the work he did. Grace is the power of God actively enabling his people. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So this is Barnabas. He came and he saw the grace of God. How did he see the grace of God? Is it like floating out there? <laughs> How did he see it? I'll just, 
Yeah, he's looking at people, yes. He's seeing a people, and he's seeing the power of God that has been at work. He saw it. it. The grace of God has been here. So the grace of God in this people is being displayed. It's God being displayed, but it's the power of God being displayed. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Okay, so this grace coming to you, the particular, the saved, is the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit in you so that you can abound in every good work. And that every good work is fighting sin, and it's every good work that you do. But God gives us the grace so that we can win, so that we can always do it. We may not, but he gives us the grace needed to overcome every sin and temptation and to do every good work. And grace is the power of the gospel. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So he's urging them to continue <coughs> in the power and the grace of God. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So they're speaking boldly, but it's the Lord bearing witness to the word of his grace and granting signs and wonders. So all of this is wrapped together. Again, this is the power, the presentation of the gospel, the gospel going to other people. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God, the gift of God. Grace is salvation apart from works of the law. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So this righteousness of God accomplished by Jesus Christ has been manifested, made known, brought about apart from the law. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And God shows compassion after he punishes his people's sin. So this is his continued grace for those he loves, even when they're sinning. For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors and return to this land. 
For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. But you are God ready to forgive. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them. For you are a gracious and merciful God. So, even as God's people continually turn from him, he is not making an end of them. He's gracious and merciful. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Return to the Lord. You, you can't be running too far from the Lord where you, can, where you can't return to him. Return to the Lord. He, he loves that. He wants that. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So Jonah doesn't like it, but he knows God's character. He is ready to love other people. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them, and he turned toward them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and will not destroy them, nor has he cast them from his presence until now. Jesus is moved by compassion and his people are to be compassionate like him. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. So much of this outflow is, I mean, you see it in these terms of compassion and pity. He sees what's going on. He wants to help. It's not a, just a disconnect. I, I'm gracious. I do these things. I mean, he really loves and really cares for these people. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And so we're to be like him. As we see, we are to be compassionate and we are to act and love our brothers. And God empowers you. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'll boast in my weaknesses, knowing that the grace of God will rest upon me when I'm not proud, when I'm weak, when I don't have what it takes to make it, that the power of God may rest upon me. I'll boast in this. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. 
On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So here we have Paul working harder than anybody else. I'm working harder, though it's not me, <laughs> it's God working in me. It's the grace of God working in me. And this is Piper. Grace is not only a disposition or a quality or an inclination in the nature of God, but it is an influence or force or power or acting of God that works in us to change our capacities for work and suffering and obedience. So that quote emphasizes the power of God working in us changing everything about us, changing all our capacity to love God and to love others. So we look at grace and we say, well, it's, it's these free gifts, but this is the outflowing. This is the Holy Spirit at work in us and the power of God. And that's it. All right, Ben, you want to pray? Thank you for listening to Truth in Life. If you enjoy this series, make sure to subscribe. And remember, this is truth to live by.